No matter if points are gained or points are lost, there will be much to discuss. For analysis regarding tonight's Winnipeg Jets game, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve post-game show starts now. It was not a banner day for the NHL and AHL clubs of Winnipeg. The Jets, they are defeated at the hands of the Calgary Flames, despite if you turn that game off as he after 20 minutes, you're probably feeling pretty good about the circumstances surrounding this hockey game. But unfortunately for the Winnipeg Jets, I'm already drinking, Dave. These are 60 minute hockey games. You've got to play, as the cliche says, a full 60 to win. The Jets did not, and thus they lost. And their AHL affiliate, their farm club here in Winnipeg, in front of almost 7,700 fans wearing superhero uh, costumes, they did not end up being superheroes. Uh, they have Moose, although adm- admirable to fall in a tight game against the Admirals, as he, they lose 4-3. But that's a little bit more understandable, given the fact that the Admirals have not lost in 2024, 17 straight games for the wins for the Nashville farm team. So... Uh, this, of course, is the Leo Kirk Post Game Show. I am Dave Manuk. He is Ezzy Ginsberg, and we're here to talk about the parent club, of course, the Winnipeg Jets, and their win streak coming to an end after three games as it ends at the hands of the Calgary Flames, the team that coming into today's game had lost three straight and was starting to see their playoff fortunes take a nosedive because, unfortunately for them, the LA Kings had won three straight coming into today's game. So they were nine points back of LA for that final spot in the Pacific playoff uh, race, but they pick up a big two points courtesy of today's 6-3 defeat of the Winnipeg Jets. So, Ezzy, what are your early takeaways from tonight's effort? Well, it was, sure, yeah, it wasn't a very good effort by the Jets, and we just had the comment up from Getter Done. You waste a Sean Monaghan natural hat-trick in the first period, a hat-trick against his former team, right? So, I mean, you got the start that you wanted, right, Dave? Like, the Flames score the first goal, but then the Jets respond right after, and they kept it going. And, you know, I I can't remember the last time the Jets allowed five goals in regulation because, of course, the sixth goal was an empty netter, so I'm not including that one, right? Yeah. Like, it's the first time in a long time that Connor Hellebuck has allowed more than three goals. And, yes, it wasn't, you know, his best night. 32 games, I think, to be precise, Ezzy. Right. So that's a long time and a pretty incredible streak, right? Like that, uh, you know, that's something that, you know, Hellebuck is always going to be able to, you know, have on his resume, right? But, you know, the second period is obviously where where it fell apart for the Jets. And the third period wasn't much better either. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just didn't have a lot of sustained offense in those final two periods. And, you know, the Jets took some sloppy penalties, um, obviously, you know, we'll get into, you know, the Brendan Dillon, Neil Pionk pairing. They had a rough night tonight, Ooh. but you know, the Shifley Connor Velarde line had a rough night as well. It they did. were generating offense, but defensively, um, you know, I, I thought, especially against that Michael Backlund line and that Backlund line includes Blake Coleman and, and Andrew Mangiapane. Mangiapane has become a bit of a Jets killer. You remember the season opener, Dave, uh, mm-hmm. he had two or three points, right? So, I mean, Mangiapane is an excellent offensive player, but you know, you mentioned it earlier. Not only did the Flames lose three games in a row, they were outscored 11-3. to three. So they're trying to keep their very slim playoff hopes alive. I'm not sure if they're going to end up doing it, but, yeah. um, you know, they're trying to stay pace with uh, teams like the Seattle Kraken, right, who are mm-hmm. battling for that last wildcard spot in the Western Conference. So, 
Um, you know, it just wasn't good enough. That was that was one of the weaker performances I've seen from the Jets at five on five. Like, look at the power play was fine. Um, we know that Sean Monahan scored on the power play, so I mean, the, you know, the Jets kept you know the good feelings rolling. Yeah. Um, from the game against the Vancouver Canucks, but it's just not going to cut it when you know you're spending eighty percent of the game in the defensive zone. And mm-hmm. I, I'm obviously, you know, being a little bit tongue-in-cheek here, Dave. It wasn't 80%, but it yeah. sure felt like that at, at certain points. Like, it just wasn't – the Jets, I, I didn't think, slowed the Flames down enough in the neutral zone. And I just thought they were very passive today. That's kind of mm-hmm. the word I would use about the Jets. You just – you didn't see that intensity like you saw on Saturday against the Canucks, Dave. Yeah. yeah. And, and you obviously knew. I mean, nobody thought that this was going to be, you know, as passionate of a game as it was in, in Vancouver. But look at – Give the Flames credit. They played like mm-hmm. a desperate team. They That's went right. down a couple goals in the first period, and you knew that you know in that dressing room they were saying like, "Okay, guys, like we we got to tie this up. We don't want to lose four games in a row, uh, especially in front of the home crowd at the Saddle Dome, right?" So give the Flames credit. They responded. They they had a big pushback, and it just didn't seem like you know the Jets had a pushback for the Flames pushback in this game. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to highlight this comment by C-Mac because I was curious. And in fact, I was wrong because my assessment in the Jets pregame report, which of course is available on AllelCurve.com at every Jets game day, was that I thought Lauren Brassois would get the net. He hasn't played, I think, in he hasn't played since that Philadelphia game, has he? So that was uh, either nine or 11 days ago and somewhere in that range. And so, and Connor Hellebuck had played the last three. And I, you know, I know that he plays a lot of afternoon games, but C-Mac here is writing, why did they start Helly today? Because he likes afternoon games, question mark. Gotta love, gotta get LB in the net more often if you want Helly fresh for the playoffs. Now I understand they're playing Minnesota tomorrow. It's a back-to-back. So there's always that, you know, you want to give your starter the best chance to win. And of course, the more difficult uh, challenge would generally be the backup. But I was just a little bit surprised just because they have run with Hellebuck a lot and there's been fair spacing. So you thought, Maybe you give Rissois. But again, I understand that they were going to go with, you know, why they went with him because you give Rissois the game against the Wild, I guess. Yeah, and, and also, Hellebuck was excellent against the Canucks, right? So, like, you're yep. going with your hotter goaltender. And this is a bit of a unique situation. Like, if there was a day between games, Dave, I would have been more surprised. But honestly, yeah. I wasn't surprised that they mm-hmm. went with Hellebuck just because of how well he played on Saturday. And also, there's been space between games here, right? Like, it's not like the Jets have had... You know, they're not in like an eight game and 11 day stretch, right? And they didn't practice yesterday. They canceled practice. Yeah. So I, I you know, look, Hellebuck was not the problem in this Oh, no, game. I'm not saying otherwise. I'm, just I'm saying not was... saying you are. I'm just saying yeah. that, you know, I, I don't, I, Lauren Brassois being in net wouldn't have changed anything. It probably would have no. been uglier, <laughs> to be honest with you, Dave. That's what I'm Good trying point. to say here, right? Yeah. So the Jets are, are lucky that Hellebuck was in net uh, this yeah. afternoon. Um, you know, it was just not a crisp defensive effort. Like there was just too much time and space out there for the flames there were giveaways um and like we said like you know the big knock on the jets all year long has been the poor power play well the jets scored two power play goals in the first period yeah. and everything was setting up nicely for that second period and i just thought that they weren't aggressive enough um and again it basically comes down to if the flames are spending that much time in your zone and you're going to mm-hmm. give them power plays and this flames power play is nothing to write home about i think they were 29th in the league heading into this game, right? Yeah. But they've still got talented players like Nazem Kadri and and Jonathan Huberdo, Mackenzie Weger, uh, Oliver Shillington. What a goal for him. I mean, he's yeah. a guy, Dave, you remember when the draft was in Florida 2015, we thought Shillington was going to be a late first-round pick, 
and he ended mm -hmm. up falling to Calgary in the in the second round, right? So actually, was he drafted by Calgary? He was, right? I wasn't sure if he was traded or if he was drafted by another team. Mm. I'd have to look that up. But Shillington's a really good defenseman. And when you consider that Calgary is expected to trade, you know, Chris Tanev and or Noah Hannafin, you know, it's good that they have uh, Mackenzie Weger and yeah, Oliver Schilling in the back end. Second round pick by the Flames, Ezzy. There you go. I couldn't overall. remember if he was traded at some point. That was, yeah. that was what was that, eight years ago now? That's a long time ago, Dave. But yeah, yeah Shillington's a good one. He can really skate. So, I mean... I, I remember Ezzy, of, this is this was only his ninth game of the season because he had been he had taken some time to be away from the game. Exactly. And so, you know, a lot of people in the chat have already seen, you know, a lot of people complaining about Neil Pionk's play, you know, saw that on Twitter during the game. Look, yeah. it, it wasn't as good game, a good game for him. And look, I, I, I think it would be great if the Jets could acquire Chris Tanev. He was really solid for the Flames tonight. Mm -hmm. I just don't even know if you know, that's going to materialize. So, you know, Dave, we can talk till we're blue in the face about how good Tanev would look in a Jets jersey, but he yeah. could end up being traded to another team. So again, you have to, the Jets have to play with the players they currently have. We've talked about this. They're they're 100% healthy. There's no more excuses here. Morgan Barron, maybe he's not 100% healthy, but he was yeah. in the game tonight or this afternoon. So mm -hmm. uh, just not a very good effort. And look, the Jets don't have time to to respond. The, the Wild defeated the Canucks 10-7 this afternoon. I'm sure we're going to talk mm -hmm. about that at some point. Yeah. Six goals for the for the Wild in the first period, which I don't think anybody saw coming. And it's going to be a grinder tomorrow. You know the Wild are going to come in. You know, Speaking of teams that have slim playoff hopes, yeah. I don't think the Wild are going to be making the playoffs. They're just too far back. Yeah. But look, they're still going to well, be been on a run, though. hard. They have been on a run. You're right. Which is um, which is why tomorrow's game will not be a a. We thought it would be you know a game to watch. Obviously, after the Perfetti slash to the or, or high stick to the face, and that it would be uh you know especially with Minnesota had continued to fall out because Minnesota has kind of worked their way back into the discussion. As I suspect, they're going to be focused on on winning and not on shenanigans. You, you'll probably get sure. some shenanigans because I don't know that they'll be able to help themselves. But ultimately, this is a you know a game that Minnesota needs to take two points, and the Jets are going to want to get the stink of this one out of their uh, nostrils. So they're going to try and put forth a good effort, and they're going to need to because, you know, the word you used, Ezzy, is one that that came to me throughout the course of watching this hockey game, was that it was casual. There wasn't an urgency, and whether it was three one, three two, three three, four three, five three, the Jets just didn't look like the team were desperate enough. And and look, the Jets are in a good position, right? I mean, it's, you know, we're not, again, let's, let's always, it's always important to remember, you know, I, I, we had the comment highlighted. This was not a good effort by the Winnipeg Jets. We are not here to sugarcoat the Jets effort in today's game. We'll, we'll go through it. We'll dissect it in the Betway game recap. We'll talk about all the goals. We'll, we'll break down where guys make mistakes. But this team is also coming off of three straight wins, right? And you've got the power play finally starting to work. Now, it's funny, I ironic, Ezzy, that the power play is starting to work in the five-on-five five play dips. But, I mean, again, I guess if the five-on-five five play, which has been consistent for, you know, 50 games this season, this is game 52, but for 52 games for the most part this season, and the power play is starting to, to work itself out and figure itself out, that's probably a good kind of trade-off because you can probably get to the five-on-five five play again and then ultimately hope that you can keep this power play streak rolling. But yeah, to me, this this was a Jets team that just wasn't engaged enough in the game, especially when that second period, 
they just didn't the second period really took them out of the game obviously and it, it shouldn't have because i mean they were in it right it was a close hockey game and ultimately they just weren't able to you know get back into it and they just and whether that's on the coaching staff to push to the right buttons and try and get these guys going there were a couple of chances obviously right as but ultimately at the end of the day you know it's it's not horseshoes it's not close isn't good no. enough no, and you know we've got the comment up from from Gordy Angus, and I, and I I don't think you know this should be the pile up on on Cole Perfetti game. Look, this was not a good game for him, and mm -hmm. we know that you know Rick Bonus's comments about uh, you know speaking Dave about I know you know what I'm talking about, but yeah, what yeah. Mike what Mike McIntyre asked uh, Rick Bonus about the ice time, right? And it was reported that you know Rick Bonus and the coaching staff talked to specifically Perfetti and Ehlers and what they wanted them to do. The only thing is it just doesn't match up with specifically Ehlers production at, at five on five. Mm -hmm. And look at, I, I, look, if the jets want to be a Stanley cup team, I think we know that, you know, the power play has got to be better on a consistent basis. It's only been a couple games here. Now that yeah. the jets have scored power play goals, but you're right now the five on five plays dipped. So, I mean, there's certainly an argument. We talked about this on Saturday morning show, Dave, mm -hmm. there's an argument to be made that the jets need an upgrade in their top six on the wing. And we went mm -hmm. over several players. I know, you know, some people on on social media didn't really like that we that we were promoting, you know, Tarasenko as an acquisition because he's not known as the best defensive player. But and he's Teres a great low Slanko. Well, he's a, he's a great <laughs> offensive player, right? The guy scores yeah. goals specifically on the power play, right? Maybe not mm -hmm. so much this year on on Ottawa, even though I think his numbers are still pretty good. So, um, I think the top six is an issue for the Jets right now. Yeah. What, who was the best line for the Jets tonight? It was Lowry, Appleton, and Niederreiter. I mean, and 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 when you look at expected goals, that line was the best Jets line when you look at expected goals at five on five. Mm -hmm. You know, they started off the game and they had some pressure in the flame zone. Like, they're doing their job. You yeah. can't expect that line to be the line that's getting, you know, the most goals for you. And that's why this game, I think, was so demoralizing from a Jets fan perspective. You know, you get two power play goals from Sh Sean Monaghan. You get the natural hat trick. Yeah. And then there was just a big sag in the Jets play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can you can make up any excuse you want. You can say, well, the Jets are playing three games in four days. Well, I mean, the Jets schedule has been spaced out pretty nicely. They're, they yeah. were just coming off a, you know, 10 or 11 day all-star player break, right? So I don't think that you can use the condensed schedule, you know, as an, as a, as an excuse at this point. And I don't think you can really use anything as an excuse. You're trying to catch the Dallas Stars for first, first place in the Central. Dallas yeah. did lose today, but they picked up a point. So I believe the Jets are five points back now. They do have games in hand. Right. But the Stars, like, quietly, I mean, it wasn't too long ago. What was it, three weeks ago that the Jets, maybe not three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, the Jets mm -hmm. were in first place in the entire league, right? Right. And so now it's, you know, Dallas that the Jets are chasing. There's lots of games left. The Jets can still catch Dallas. Um but, you know, they're on a slide here, right? Like you mentioned it, Dave, the Jets, you know, recently won three games in a row, um, but they've lost six of nine now. So this is not just, you know, a game or two. Um, and and obviously, you know, the Jets could win tomorrow and and turn this around. Yeah. Um, they've got some easy games coming up, right? Like Chicago's not scaring anybody right now. You still have to respect them. Um, but yeah, for me, the top six is a problem. And even though Shifley, Connor, uh, and Velarde were were really good, against the Canucks, they were pretty bad tonight. So, And yeah. that's got to be a concern if you're Rick Bonus and the coaching staff. Well, you do wonder if he goes back, as we've talked about, to the Ehlers, Shifley, and Velarde 
line that worked so well when uh, Kyle Connor was injured. And so that'll be a, a big question mark. And we'll see tomorrow if they make, you know, any moves, if they decide to bring Rasmus Kupari uh, into the lineup and maybe try and inject a little, some fresh legs for the jets. And not to say that again, like you said, as he, but I mean, if Morgan Barron isn't healthy, if he's dealing with an illness that kept him out of the third period of the game on Saturday and, and Mark and Rick bonus did say in his media availability this morning or this afternoon, sorry, that there were some other guys who were potentially dealing dealing with illness, so that's obviously some that's a factor. You know, I mean, clearly it's a factor if the guys aren't aren't one hundred percent healthy because it tends to go through the rooms. But look, I mean, ultimately, again, you know, it's funny how you can spin things, right? The Jets have the Jets have won three out of four, or they've lost six of the last nine. So I mean, it really depends on how you want to look at it. And now tomorrow's game becomes a lot more important, which is why I said the shenanigans. And we're not talking about the movie Office Space, which would be the restaurant from the movie Office Space. But we're not talking about that. We're talking more flair, Dave. More flair. Well, we got it. We got lots of flair. I got a lot of IC flair here. A picture of the three of us. You know, the IC beer, the live sign, an old Manitoba. Well, this moose is a pop. live IC beer, though. That is a live IC beer. This one's actually going, open. That's going down your gullet. But uh, no, I mean, look, this is this is a, a fact. Is that this team is going to need to be focused tomorrow? There's not going to be any excuses. You have to be. You have to be able to show how the, how the heck did Minnesota score ten goals? Like I real I realized Kirill Kaprizov. Well, they, they shot the puck. Player. It went into the back of the net ten but times. But 10-7, thats an NFL score. Well, that's especially crazy. considering especially considering that you know um, Tyler Myers and the and the Canucks were so hot under the collar after the refs. They had to, they didn't just fa- face the Jets on uh, Saturday night as he, apparently they faced the Jets and the refs. Which is actually, I mean, I don't want to say I'm incredulous because I'm generally not anymore. But like, I did find it rather amusing to think that Jets fans felt like they were up against the ref, refs, and as did apparently the Vancouver Canucks. So both teams felt like the refs were against them, which is probably a good sign that neither team was really getting the was the beneficiary of uh, favorable calling. But I mean, yeah, that's that's a that's a wild game. I mean, that's a and I'm not trying to use a pun there, but I think they scored. What did they score? Is he like six goals in a row? to win that game in the third period. So um, Vancouver looked like they were handling their business, kind of getting back. And I know the and, I know the wild scored six goals in the first period. Yeah. And they scored, I think they scored uh, six in the third or six or seven. Like they scored a, no, they scored one, two, three, four, five, six. I see they scored seven goals in the third period. Sorry. I got the period wrong. It was yeah. the third period. Yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't watching that game. I saw someone Obviously. screenshot something on X. Oh, so okay. I thought it was the first period, but it was. But I mean, again, like right. I said, it's good though, because again, it forces tomorrow's game between the Jets and the Wild to be a game about actually playing hockey and not the stupidity of having to deal with, you know, guys taking cheap shots and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I, again, whether there's anything, whether they target Cole Perfetti or, or whatnot again, or, or anything else we'll see. But, you know, again, it, I, I suspect it'll be about hockey tomorrow. So that's, that's probably not a bad thing. Okay, as we should probably get into Spency it. Spency is correcting you there. Spency is right. I'm not sure if Spency is live from Festival de Voyager. Oh, Tchotchkes. Yeah, Tchotchkes. That's where you wear the flair. Ah, uh, super. You're right. Spency, what is this? Amateur hour? Like, I can't believe we missed that one. Yeah, that was. Both of those movies are great movies. Maybe this is time that we uh, talk about when we saw Jay Chandrashikar in, in Buffalo, Buffalo at that pizza place. Right, Dave? Yeah. yeah, he was doing stand up across the. Right uh, beside the arena. Yeah, that was funny. And didn't he say, didn't he walk up to you and say, hey, aren't you Ezzy Ginsberg from Illegal Curve? He did not. Oh, that was me, actually. 
<laughs> in front of him, hoping he would notice and say something to us. I could that go for a liter of cola right now, though. I could go for well, that. Was Rob Farber? Anyways, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's hide Spancy's comment. Let's get uh, this recap going because Ezzy, there were a lot of goals that we're gonna have to discuss. So let's get into it. This is the Betway Game Recap. The Betway Game Recap. The Betway Game Recap is brought to you, not surprisingly, as by Betway, one of the most trusted voices in sports betting, both in Canada and all around the world. Betway is a sports betting app that puts you, the customer, at the forefront with a large selection of betting promotion options and sports, as well as strong promotions and fair odds. What are you waiting for, Ezzy? Head on over to Betway and bet your way. Must be 19 years or older to play, and always please play responsibly. Well, as it didn't get off to a banner start for the Winnipeg Jets because it was Oliver Shillington. Yep. I wanted to call him Killington, but Oliver, well, he Killington the Jets with that first goal because the Just Jets. Don't be a they, buzz Killington, Dave. <laughs> I will try not to be, but the Jets on it, what I would describe charitably as a poor choice for a for time, ill-timed line change. I mean, Dylan DeMello makes the initial pass up, I believe and thinks that the puck is, is out of the zone, and well, it is out of the zone, and thinks that he, he's hit his man so they can they can kind of make it a safe change. But you got to give Shillington credit. He anticipates, grabs it, and then Pionk and Dylan are kind of caught in the middle, and he just goes around everybody and goes upstairs on, on Connor Hellebuck. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an unfortunate start early in the game, and could have really been a tone setter. It wasn't. But you do wonder what Neil Pionk was, was thinking, considering he was man on man with Shillington and then almost like looked to his right, saw a guy coming in, but it was already at yeah. that point. To it me, was Mangiapane. Pretty- and, th- and that's the problem, Dave. You mentioned it right at the beginning, breaking down the goal. What happened here was it, it, it's a cough up and Shillington picks up the puck in the neutral zone. Right. Mello's going off. Brendan Dillon's coming on, but he's, mm. he's coming on and, and he's not at, at full speed. He's, he's basically flat footed in a way. Right. Yeah. And so Shillington goes by him. And like you said, Pionk, he's skating backwards, but he's kind of turned around because he's he's looking at Shillington coming with speed, but then he's got Mangiapane. So he's thinking, you know, he might dish the puck to Mangiapane. So, I mean, you know, it's a combination of a kind of a poor line change, a turnover in the neutral zone, um, you know, and uh, some weak defense by Pionk. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, it, I'm not going to blame this goal entirely on Neil Pionk. And like you said, Oliver Schillington, we talked about it. He's got wheels. He's a good defenseman. And obviously, you know, he's had some trouble early on in his career. So he's a yeah. guy that I think, you know, we're always rooting for, right? So, you know, it was a nice individual effort by Schillington. But yeah, you can't let a guy generate that much speed, you know, from center ice in and just come in untouched. And so, I, like, again, you know, Pionk, could he have, you know, played that a little bit better and, and you know, taken a little time and space away for, from Schillington? Yes. But it was a it was essentially a two on one situation, and give Shillington credit for coming in with a big burst of speed, and you know it was a nice goal for him. Absolutely, and and as the the one thing that we tend to always focus on, Hellebuck, who probably could have made that save, but he didn't, obviously, and the defenseman, the forwards aren't immune from criticism here. Like I didn't like the way the first line played that. Right, Mark Scheifele is the only guy who, like Velarde who misses the Demello or mishandles whatever you want to call it. The, the initial pass by Dylan DeMello, if he tips that in and deep, there's no there's no play. So Velarde doesn't kind of handle his assignment and 
he and Kyle Connor are just standing there. They're flat-footed. They don't get back aggressively. Mark Shifley tries to, and and he's not. I won't. I wouldn't. You know, suggest that he's going to get full marks, but he's at least you know skating. And they may have been at the end of the shift here, but the three of them are gliding. Like they are fully gliding. But it, back but in the their zone. defense, right? Pionk is back. No, for and, sure. And, and if there's a second defenseman back, there's not really an issue. That's why I was crediting you, Dave, for saying the, it was a, it was it, it was a. I mean, I, again. We, it's easy for us to say it's a bad line change because it resulted in a goal. But yeah, you're right. If if Velarde tips that puck in, or or if he just kind of you know cradles the puck and spins around and gets it deep, then they're going off for a line change. And I right. think they were out there for you know a good 45 seconds. Yeah, from from what I remember, so it was just an ugly goal, right? Like, and that's what the Flames wanted. When you're on mm-hmm. a three game losing streak, you want to score early in the first period, and that's what they did here, four or five minutes in. But yeah, it was it was. Again, we use the words passive, loose, like they were just loose. The Jets were loose defensively this year, and that's been their identity all year long. Since the the season started, they've been a tight defensive group, and Mm -hmm. obviously they weren't tonight, uh, today, and, you know, it hurt them. They were just too passive with how they were checking with their sticks, uh, turnovers. Um, So it was just, uh, on this play, I'm not prepared to just lay all the blame on Neil Pionk. No, I mean, again, he, he gets the lion's share because it, it's him that looks bad because the highlights will show him getting burnt, him getting burnt, him getting burnt. But like I said, it it, it, it takes a team, right? You know, they, this whole, this line to me, like I said, all five guys played a role with the exception of maybe Brendan Dillon because he's coming onto the ice. So as you said, as he, he's a little slow and a little, a little David Martino's a genius. Maybe it's time to switch Ehlers and Connor. Well, that's that's a good one, David. But well, we've uh, been we've been saying that we were saying that Saturday morning. I mean, I think everybody is ready to see Ehlers, Shifley, and Velarde. It was one of the most dominant lines, and we'll see if maybe Bones goes to that tomorrow. I wouldn't hold my breath, but I think you know it's always an option. But it's it's kind of, I mean, look at I think a lot of crit- criticism that Rick Bonus is getting for his line combinations is is warranted, mm-hmm. just because Ehlers, Shifley, and Velarde was so good together. But we know that Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor love playing together. But just that top six, it's just not working right now. It well, just isn't. I mean, again, it's all well and good to say we love playing with each other, and that's fine. But I mean, you gotta you gotta have success. And and three straight is is good. And but today's game is 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 definitely concerning because and, of, and by the way, Dave, I just want to clarify something. Sure. Sean Monahan had a hat trick in the first period, and I'm aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> but the the top six for the rest of the like I'm I'm not going to say that those the are second, power play goals though. Well, exactly. I'm not going to say the second line was great tonight. Just yeah, because Monahan had a hat trick in the in the first period. Last time I checked, hockey wasn't a one period game. That's that's how I opened the show. I said you if you just stopped watching after 20 minutes and you were probably pretty happy with the way things were going for your Winnipeg Jets. If you watched the full 60, which is the way hockey is played, you unfortunately uh, did not. But for right now, as because we're still in that first period with Rasmus Anderson in the box for, I believe, hooking Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah. Sean Monahan. It's a shows... lazy penalty. And good on Ehlers for drawing that penalty. You know, sp- you know, if we're going to throw criticism around, Rasmus yep. Anderson was awful in that first period. Yeah, he was not good. No, he was not good. And, and you know, look, this is, this is uh, again, this is what we want to see from the power play. Quick movement. Yeah, not a lot of not not taking a lot of time, and and pretty much every single player I think on the ice touched that puck, and so you know Sean Monahan in Calgary playing his old team, the team that drafted him, uh, he gets the goal that ties the game, and again it's just quick movement, 
everybody's touching it. Everybody gets it, you know, over. We've got Velarde creating a screen in front of Markstrom, makes, puts it back. Kyle Connor, quick shot on that. And Monaghan just really at that. That's, we're not going to be, you're not going to be singing praises for this one as it's just right place, right time. You give him credit for being in the right space, but it's really just a tap in for Monaghan. Yeah, and we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, right? Like we've been talking about those getting those three-on-two triangle situations down low, not always just trying to get it back to the point for Morrissey's shot and then a tip in front or trying to feed Connor on the one-timer. That's what they're doing here. G- Gabe Velarde, to me, Dave, is maybe the Jets' biggest weapon right now on the power play, mm-hmm. right? Because he's a guy that, yes, we, you know, you were joking about Kyle Connor on the national broadcast. Everybody just thinks all Kyle Connor can do is shoot it. And obviously yeah. his shot here re- directly results in the goal because yeah. Markstrom's out of out of the play and Monaghan goes to the net and he pokes it in. Um, but Velarde down low, you have to respect him for his playmaking ability, mm-hmm. but he's also a good distributor as well. Yeah. So I, I love how they're they're making those kind of tic-tac-toe plays down low. And instead mm-hmm. of, you know, trying to feed Connor at the face-off circle, um, you know, they're trying to feed the guy in the middle of the slot. And that's where we know the majority of goals are scored in the NHL. So, yeah, I love how quick the decision-making was. And it, that execution is there right now for the power play. Finally, these last two games, it's like a breath of fresh air, Dave. Like, we've talk, been talking about this struggling power play for months now, if not yeah. years. Yeah. And the last two games, you know, the Jets have finally figured it out, which is nice to see. Well, I, I'm not going to report that the J, the Jets were watching us interview JPVJ and they're like, hey, JP just outlined what we need to do. But it sure sounds like what they're doing as he is what JP talked about on Saturday. And uh, they're, 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 look, that's a lot of success. They scored four power play goals in the last two games. They haven't scored four power play goals in like the last previous to that. What was it? 20 games, 30 games, 40 games. And I'm talking about in total, forget about like, you know, more than one power play goal in a game. So the Jets, of course, uh, they've now tied the game, Sean Monaghan. But hey, Sean Monaghan says, you know what? I'm not quite done. And 42 seconds later, he decides, but this time as he doesn't want to get, he doesn't want to get a power play goal. He feels like those are cheap. So Sean Monaghan decides he's going to throw a backhand on the net and and score at a five on five one. But again, good movement by the, the Jets. You've got DeMello, you got Morrissey, you got Ehlers and Pionk, I mean Ehlers and Perfetti, and he gets at, he, you know, give Sean Monahan a lot of credit because he's he's going to those areas where the puck is, and he said it. I think him and Velarde, well, Velarde said it, sorry, I think it was Velarde, just talking about guys who are willing to get to the front, the hard areas to be in and score those goals, and it was a nice play by uh, Monahan to get that up and over and in, and suddenly the Jets have a 2-1 lead, and Jets Nation is ecstatic because the Jets are up 2-1 quickly now into the first period. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about it so many times when the Jets go bang, bang. I mean, that then you know the Jets are playing really well, and they did play really well in the first period, for the majority of the first period. Yeah. Um, And, you know, there were guys going to the net. Not only was Monaghan going to the net, Perfetti was going to the net, and, you know, I singled out Rasmus Anderson, who took the penalty, obviously, um, that resulted in the Jets' first power play goal. But, you know, Anderson just takes a, a wild kind of, you know, swing at the puck and Monaghan's right there. And we know that Monaghan's got great hands. Yeah. And, you know, the Flames were just, to me, disorganized in their own zone, scrambly in their own zone. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that was just kind of the Jets bull rushing the front of the net, Dave. And Anderson just, you know, taking a wild swing at it. Like, to me, he should have just moved someone out of the play. Like, there were, it, was, it was a rub, rugby scrum. In front right. of Jacob Markstrom, right? Like yeah. it was just a lot of traffic. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Jets obviously had all of the momentum at that point, and you know they continued it on. And you know we'll get into the next goal here because Monahan scored the very rare Jets natural hat trick. Well, and and you know before we go uh, too far ahead, although we do have a lot of goals to get into, Ezzy, so I'm not going to dwell too long on this. But I think the importance of this goal vis-a-vis the comments from Rick Bonus. I mean, Rick Bonus made the the comments about um, the second line and how they need to earn their ice time and and score some goals. And it's good work. And, you know, I, I don't really understand, to be honest with you, I'm looking at the um, the way NHL.com has it uh, listed. They have it Monaghan from DeMello and Morrissey. But I don't understand because Cole Perfetti definitely touched that puck and got a, got a stick on it. I was going to say, so, I'm surprised that Perfetti didn't get an assist there. Yeah, so I'm not sure how they wouldn't give Perfetti the primary assist on that play. But, um, I mean, again, those are, those, are, those are small details. I'm not sure anybody other than maybe Cole Perfetti and his agent are too concerned about that assist. <laughs> But I mean, it, look, and he is due him, for a contract, right? He's he's going to be a pending it, RFA. So that's right. But look, you give him credit for being in, in front and, you know, that's an area you're going to have to get prepared to get hit. And he makes a nice play. He's got good hand eye and he makes that it helps that puck get to Monaghan. And then, like you said, ends up in the back of the net. And speaking of Sean Monaghan, well, he wasn't done there because the Jets, he now that he had a five on five goal, as he he's like, well, you know what? Maybe I'll go uh, and get a power play goal another power play goal because the Jets weren't done there and uh, Oliver Shillington in the penalty box. And why was he in the penalty box? I can't remember. It was because he tripped Cole. Speaking of Cole Perfetti as he, so there you go again, crediting guys for drawing yeah, power. It plays. was a trip. Yeah. He tripped Perfetti, which gave the Jets another power play. And they decided we're going to go two for two. And, and again, Sean Monahan, and maybe the chat actually can help us out because I was, as and I were talking about this before the show began, how many natural hat tricks have the Jets ever, if any, have the Jets ever scored? I've got a list. I Ezzie. thought Lion A had a ha- natural hat trick in this five He'd goal game. Guy. I might, I might be wrong about that though. I don't. Yeah, I don't I'm pretty know. sure Lion A had three goals in the first period during that five goal game. But again, I could, that was what was that six years ago? That's a long, that's a long time ago, Dave. That's that a long a, time and a lot of icy beers ago. Well, that's a lot of icy beers ago. I agree with you, absolutely, but. Look, it's it's definitely a question as to, um, you know, why are these like again? Like I said, I I, I just wasn't sure. So I, I have a li- I run a little fun little Did list. Brian of, Little have a natural hat trick at one point. Matty Perot could have had one. Matty Perot was the first Jet to score four goals, I think, in a game. He was like first yeah. Jets two point but I don't think that was a natural hat trick. And well, remember, I mean, Blake I'm- Wheeler had the hat trick against Pittsburgh in the first period. Yeah, but that was. I that thought was, that was a natural hat trick, but I don't think no. it was. No, no, it wasn't. That that one was definitely. I think it was a four goal. But like, if you look at the, I mean, the Jets actually are on pace to have a decent number of hat tricks this year. They have three already this year. Last year they had five, two, one, three, two thousand eighteen, nineteen. They had eight, Ezzy. eight natural hat. Sorry, eight hat tricks, not natural hat tricks. And then uh, in seventeen, eighteen, the best year they had five. So a lot of a lot of hat tricks uh, in this. And then it's funny because remember how many years it took for the Jets to get to a hat trick because uh, like you said, it was it Brian little against Colorado in like December. I think in December of like 2000, is that coming from the chat or is that coming from your memory? No, that's my memory. I'm trying okay. to remember it's if possible. That's, what it, that's what it was. But anyways, look, let's get into the goal. Sean Monahan, natural hat trick. Apparently according to our friend, Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg free press, there were some hats tossed on because of course, like I said, he spent six, it was six seasons as he, I believe in, in Calgary. So there's uh, some fat, he's still right. got some, he's still got six some or fans. seven years. Yeah, so he's still got some fans uh, in 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 Cowtown, but Sean Monahan and everything is coming up Jets, right? 
like you said, Gabriel Velarde, who's so difficult in tight and in front of the net, he won't even get an assist. Then, oh yeah, he gets an assist because he touches it and he puts it right to where Monahan is. And Monahan, again, similar to his first goal, kind of an easy one. Like it's it's he shoots it in, in but the net's Markstrom's looking after Velarde, so uh, he's got a fairly wide open net to shoot at. Yeah, and you know we we've talked about that the power play is really going here, um, but I just thought Calgary was again like just a little bit too loose a little bit disorganized on their, their penalty kill. And yeah, I mean, like, you know, you saw specifically Mark Shifley, how happy he was for Monaghan to score his natural hat trick. And I mean, that's mm-hmm. special for a guy that's only his, in his, what is it, his fifth game as a jet or sixth, sixth game uh, as a jet. But, but again, to me, this is just quick puck movement. And again, Kyle Connor with the, with the shot, uh, the quick shot, the quick release. We know we've seen that so many times over the years, Dave and Jacob yeah. Arkstrom is going, from light, right to left. That's right. Fake news, Dave. Spence well, I was wrong. Spencey saying that because I was wrong. It was actually nine seasons for uh, Monaghan in Calgary, not six. Okay. Yeah, I think they said on the broadcast that he played six hundred or seven hundred games. Like Monaghan, I don't, hear the, I don't very... hear the broadcast. I was at the Moose game, so I didn't oh, get yeah, a chance. No, no to that's why I'm I'm letting you know. Dave. I know. Was, I appreciate he it. He was a very uh, durable player. He didn't miss a lot of hockey for the Flames. But you think back to that year that he had uh, what was it, eighty-two points. I mean, that was a long time ago now. That was, we're going back, you know, five or six years. Maybe 18, longer. 19 was when he had 82 points. There you go. So that's, you know, six years ago, right? Or Fact whatever. check so. that, Spency. Exactly. Spency is Illegal Curves' Daniel Dale. If you ever watch <laughs> CNN, he's the, the guy that's always fact-checking uh, the politicians, right? So He's um, Canadian. Is he Canadian? Yeah, he's from, like, he, used to, he used to work for, I don't know, one of the, one of the publications here in Canada. All right, right on. There you so go. he's one of uh, 40 million of us. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, on this goal, I just thought, again, you know, Flames penalty kill looked a little bit loose. And yeah. again, to me, it's the quick release, the quick shot of Kyle Connor with Markstrom going right to left and Sean Monaghan. Again, where is he in the slot? And Mike Kelly, who we've had on the show before, the Saturday morning show, he mentioned this. Sean Monaghan scores his goals from the inner slot. He's mm-hmm. top 30 in the league scoring his goals from the inner slot. So again, that's what the Jets needed, right? They needed a guy to win faceoffs. They needed a guy to help them on the power play, and that's what he's done. And again, I'm not saying that Sean Monaghan is necessarily going to be that missing piece that helps the Jets win the Stanley Cup this year. All right. I'm saying is Monaghan has has been as advertised. Right. Like he 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 did his job tonight. You're not going to criticize Monaghan. He scored a hat trick. It was the rest of the Jets that didn't really uh, you know help him out tonight. Or today. Well, and yeah, and and look, it's it's one of those situations where. If it just ends there, three-one, Jets are done, game over, right? But they they started to play a little bit like that, and they were up. You know, they had a, a disparity in in shots. I think it was like twelve-six at the point when Blake Coleman, he's a good player. And every time, every time the Jets play uh, the Flames, I always think of Blake Coleman. First of all, well, I, there's I remember, a reason he has two Stanley Cup rings, right? Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Or like does he have one? Was he there for both? I don't know. At least not, one. I don't want to. I'm not going to conje- I'm not going to speculate because I don't want Spency uh, fact checking me and me fact checking me wrong. So I'm not going to even. Do you remember uh, what the line was for Tampa Bay that one year? Mm-hmm. It was Yanni Gord. Yep. It was Andre Palat, I believe, and, and it was Blake Coleman? Coleman. Well, man, I don't. What is this? Lightning or was it Alex Kalorn? Maybe Alex Kalorn. I know that Blake Coleman and Yanni Gord were on that third line. Yeah, well, and that's Coleman, one of the reasons when you have those types of guys on the third line, like it just shows you, right? Because what line is he on now on in in Calgary? He's on the on the the top line. So there you go, and he's got twenty two goals because he takes advantage of 
uh, I would suggest a number of miscues uh, here. You know, the Jets, uh, Neil Pionk, who's who, like I said, has been uh, received a little bit of, of of anger, but Coleman just doesn't dump it right, and Pionk waves his stick at it ineffectively. You could see the backline caught Brendan Dillon with a with a stick to the face, but the Flames are quick. The Jets are standing around, and Coleman, you know, does exactly what you need to do, which is go to the front of the net and get a shot on there. And you know, again. The Jets, to me, has just looked like they were just slow, standing around. Sure. And, you know, Mark Shifley's a, like a, a hair late to get to Coleman. And by that point, it's it's already too late and it's in the back of the net. By the way, Rob Mahoney's not liking that I that I said you can't criticize Monaghan. All I'm saying, Rob, is like, you know what I'm saying. I mean, he scored a hat trick. He, he wasn't necessarily terrific for the rest of the game. Right. Uh, but he's making a joke here that he... The comment is for those listening on the pod. If he scored four more, Jets would have won, right? <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, look, the Jets. We'll get into the second period here because, like as Dave mentioned, uh, we have eight goals to talk about tonight. So yeah, um, we're only at the three-two goal. But yeah, you're right. Both teams, like, look, this was not a defensive clinic between no. the Jets and the Flames this afternoon. When five goals are scored in the first period, I guess you know all you had to do, Dave, was tune into the Wild Canucks game if you really want to see a lot of goals. Yeah, if you if you just tuned in now, there were 17 goals in that game, including six from the Wild in the third period. But yeah, I mean, look, Blake Coleman's a talented player, and when the Flames go down two goals at home in the first period, you know there's going to be a pushback. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it was just you know, look, it starts with Neil Pionk, you know, whiffing on, whiffing on the dump in, and then Mark Shifley just doesn't pick up Blake Coleman yeah. because Neil Pionk is is out of position, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of blame to go around here. Yeah. Uh, you know, P- Pionk and Dylan, that wasn't their best defensive effort. Um, but Michael Backlund goes into the corner and Brendan Dillon goes to cover him. Um, and then Mangiapane f- feeds Blake Coleman. Yep. And then because Brendan Dillon's out of the play, Mark Shifley's got to pick up Coleman. That's right. Again, so like, I mean, this was just not a good defensive effort by the Jets as a team this afternoon. You look at a lot of these goals and yes, the Flames worked hard for these goals, and the Jets have, pardon me, the Flames have some guys that can put the puck in the net. Mm-hmm. But the Jets, I, I think a lot of this was self-inflicted this afternoon. And so it was 3-2 after 20 minutes, and that's it. That's the end of the Illegal Curve postgame show. The Jets obviously won because that's the final score. No, of course, it wasn't the final score, Ezzy. The second period probably, would you say that was one of the worst second periods you've seen from the Jets this season? At five on five, it was, I would yes. say. And yeah. I think it was mainly because the Jets just didn't have a spark. Like mm-hmm. they like there's one chance that I can think of, Dave, that okay. the Jets had. Dylan Sandberg had a really nice rush. With Perfetti. With Perfetti. Because yeah. I know you were at the Moose game at Canada Life, but you were watching that. Perfetti took the puck in the middle of the ice and he kind of hesitated. I forget who the Flames defenseman was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Markstrom had to make a really good I remember it was a it was a shoulder save. And it's still the puck still kind of squeezed right, close, and then it was uh, Nazem Kadri who who was there, it. Johnny, on the yeah. spot, and he got rid of the puck. So Dylan Sandberg and Perfetti combined for a good scoring chance. And again, yeah. I realize a lot of people watching the post game show today are, are are critical of guys like Pionk and and Perfetti. I mean, Perfetti still got thirty points. I mean, look at he hasn't scored a goal in a long time. Like, what are we talking about? I think thirteen games now, something like mm-hmm. that. Something like that. I just yeah. think we need to you know pump the brakes. Is there an argument to be made, Dave, that Perfetti should be dropped out of the top six? Absolutely there is. Sure. But I, I don't necessarily think that, you know, 
he's the biggest problem on the Jets right now. I think there's a I think there's a lot of issues on this Jets team. There's a lot of guys that are struggling at both ends of the ice. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alex Iafello, I don't think has scored a goal since November. Obviously, yeah. I'm joking right now, but it's been uh, probably what 20 games now, 25 games. Something so like I mean, yes, going back to what you said before, Dave. I wouldn't be shocked if Rasmus Kupari comes into the lineup tomorrow. No. Why not? Spark the team. Give the team a spark a little bit. I well, mean, I, like Rasmus Kupari hasn't exactly, wasn't exactly lighting the lamp, you know, when he, before he was injured, right? You mean zero goals? <laughs> um, but exactly. But I mean, look, put him in. I, I, I have no, uh, you know, what, what do you have to lose there? Mm-hmm. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Now the Jets PK as he got the opportunity to go and, and, pick up a, a clean sheet unfortunately they were unable to uh, because Nazim Kadri with Sean Monahan in the box uh, burns Winnipeg for his uh, I think was that his first Ezzy of the game and so it's suddenly a three three game because the Flames again like I said the Jets just didn't they looked they looked off and you know as you made this point that I wanted to just bring it up before we get into the goal specifically but this is a Flames team that knew their season was on the line right and again like I'm not trying to be like like um uh, overly ag- aggressive in my assessment there. No, they needed they, this game. They absolutely having lost three games in a row. Yeah. And who did they, who did they lose to? Was it Carolina when Markstrom was pulled? Yeah, I think they so. lost their oh, last no, Detroit, game. Five, Detroit. Not, Detroit. Sorry, Detroit. Oh, it was Detroit. It was Detroit. Yeah, I knew it was an Eastern Conference team. Yeah. But Markstrom was pulled from that game. So that was yeah. an embarrassing loss for them. So you're right. Their 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 playoff lives were on the line today. Well, and and again, they're down three one at home. And they've the, these last few games have they've been losing at home, and so you're you know that they were, I suspect they got a rather significant had a rather significant conversation in the uh, inter, first intermission, but you know again you give the the Flames credit nobody is boxing out in front for the Jets like there it is a clean look for Nazem Kadri to deflect that Dylan Demello is off of Kadri, and you know again so is Dylan Sandberg, and there are actually there's two Flames that are right in front of Connor Hellebuck. So what do we always talk about when it comes to the Jets' power plays? You want to see guys in front. Flames have guys in front. Jets' are defense are nowhere near them, and it ends up a three-all game. Yeah, Andre Kuzmenko, Dave, was the other forward Kuzmenko, that was in the was, slot yeah. there for the Flames. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, DeMello and Sandberg all year long have been the Jets, and I'm confident in saying this. Those two guys have been your best defensive defensemen all year long. Yep. So again, we're not picking on them um, you know, as players here. But yeah, I mean, there was too much time and space there um, for Nazem Kadri just to basically park himself in front of the slot. And obviously, Kadri has hundreds of goals throughout his NHL career. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's been doing this for a long time and he's got a Stanley Cup ring on his resume as well. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that was a huge goal because what was that, four minutes or five minutes into the second period? And yeah. now it's a tie game. The Jets had all of the momentum after Monaghan scored his third goal of the period. And mm-hmm. and now the Flames had all of their momentum. And they obviously kept it going throughout the game. Um, but, you know, it was a lazy penalty by Monaghan. And, you know, again, there's a lot of blame to go around here. Hey, this you was, just, you, as you criticized Monaghan. So you did what Rob said you wouldn't do, but you did. You criticized well, I was him. I did it for Rob Mahoney. But, there we go. Um, you know, look, the Flames, we talked about it. The Flames power play has actually been worse than the Jets' power play. The Jets' power play over the last two games has been the best power play in the league. Obviously, I'm joking right now. <laughs> I think they were but, one for, uh, what were they, one for 30 or something like that is coming into that, yeah. that opportunity yeah. that they scored the Kadri goal? But again, when you play with an edge, and the Flames did play with an edge today, and with you, when you play with desperation, that's what happens. 
Yeah. I mean, a two-goal lead is not safe. We always joke about the two-goal lead being mm-hmm. the most dangerous lead in hockey. Well, it was this afternoon for the Jets, and the Flames made them pay. And now all of a sudden the game's tied, and you're already starting to think about, you know, I'm not saying the Jets were necessarily doing this, but, you know, you start already thinking about tomorrow's game at home against the Wild, and the Jets didn't put a good effort in in the second period, or the third period for that matter. We talked about there were, uh, you know, a few chances here and there. Perfetti had the good chance yeah. in the second period that Markstrom had to make a good save. But, um, yeah, it just, it, it kind of fell apart. This was not Jets hockey. That's what kind of stood out to me. Whenever the Flames pushed back on the Jets, the Jets never got back to the style that they wanted to play. There mm-hmm. was just a lot of, there was a lot of, you know, dump-ins where there was no pressure. Uh, you know, there it, a, a lot of the shots were kind of from the outside with a, with a, not a lot of driving to the net. The only yeah. driving to the net we saw was Sean Monaghan on the power play, really, in the mm-hmm. first period, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, the Flames had all the momentum after that tying goal, and I wasn't surprised when they went up 4-3 at all. Well, you know, and as it's interesting, we'll get into that goal by Johnny Huberdeau, but it, it to me, it was a function of, like like we've talked about, this Jets team almost, even when it was, even though it was 3-2 after 20 minutes, it almost felt like they thought they were going to cruise to this one. You know, they felt like they they were they had ownership, and they they looked like they would have after the first. But and you credit like Markstrom. I, I it's it's funny that they left him in because you know he'd given up what two goals on his first five shots, and then he had I I don't when the Jets scored on their like when their goal count was vis a vis the shot uh, attempts. But the fact is that it you know it could have looked the other way. It could have looked. I mean, obviously two of them are power play goals, so you give him a little consideration there. But um, you know you weren't certain, and he. Like you said, he held, but he wasn't, he wasn't overly tested. There were none, there were no chances that were, you know, Kyle Connor hits the outside of the post. Obviously it doesn't count as a shot, but uh, there were, there were a couple of chances, but I, again, you know, the Nikolai Jets had Hay- one. I realize we're still in the second period because we're going to yeah. break down the Johnny Hubert goal that yeah. made it four, three for the flames. Sure. The Jets had one high danger chance in the third period. When right? you're, like they, they had 24 against the San Jose Sharks in that game. Right. So like, the, the offensive attack was just, it just wasn't there for the Jets. So yes, the, the Jets gave up, you know, uh, four consecutive or I think five consecutive Flames goals. Yeah. But there was there just wasn't a pushback. Like there just wasn't a response. After the Flames, you know, when it tied the game on the power play there, mm-hmm. um, there was, there it, the chances were just few and far between. Well, and, and okay, so get, let's get into the, the go-ahead goal for the Flames because the Jets have possession of the puck. Right, you've got a, a the Jets take a shot into the net. The second line's on Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, like first of all, uh, you got to wonder what he was doing there. I mean, he just takes a shallow, like attempt to try and block, prevent a pass from getting out of the flame zone, and he does like this very weird sort of like wide turn. And you're like, well, like there's no digging in there. Like there's no there's no there's no fortitude. There's no want to get the puck. Like obviously he tried, he made an attempt but it really didn't look like a very good one. And then the flames are attacking with numbers as he, and you know, Sean Monaghan, like one thing about this line, they're not, fa- they're not fast. They don't have any speed. Monaghan credit him for at least getting back. Cole Perfetti is in no man's land. The defense is not looking good and it ends up in the back of your net. Now you're down four, three with four minutes to go in the second period. But you know, like, like I said, Neil Pionk makes another questionable, defensive decision i don't know what was happening there yeah like i i i really don't i I mean i don't know if it was kind of just a situation where you know pionk 
was kind of flat-footed and he was turning one way when he wanted to go the other, but it was just a situation where it was Sharon Govich. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if you mentioned that, Dave, but it was Sharon Govich that had the puck. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like Pionk is just kind of makes a weird play where he's there because he's on the right side and Sharon Govich is right in front of the blue line and he Sharon Govich just goes around him and then mm-hmm. it's Sean Monaghan up the middle who's now responsible um, uh, for the Flames forward. And yeah. it gets caught up in his skates, and then Rasmus Anderson just passes it to Johnny Huberto, and it's an open net for for Johnny Huberto. Yeah. So again, that's like you know we talked about it. Like Hellebuck allows five goals in this game. I don't honestly don't know if you know he, he you could blame him on uh, you could blame him mm-hmm. on any one of these five goals. Well, you're just you're disappointed by the lack of effort. It was it's, the play in front of him that was the problem. It wasn't Hellebuck's goaltending. I mean, I think I think we've done a pretty good job detailing how almost every single person involved on in that. Like, think about it. Sean Monahan, as he you said, he's the guy who's responsible. He's in the place where he needs to be. He has the puck on his stick, and he just doesn't get a hold of it, right? And then the Flames turned that into a you know not really a two on one, but like basically it's two well, two to one. And I'm just uh, looking ratio. at the replay here, Dave, on one of my yeah. tabs. Yeah. And oh, not sure. a second screen like Drew. No, I don't. I only work off of one screen. Sharon <laughs> Govich is so, like we said, Pionk's the right side defenseman. Sharon Govich is coming down the left wing, and and the only thing that I can kind of you know in in Pionk's credit is that Sharon Govich kind of fakes that he's going to go along the wall. Sure, but again, that's for Pionk to you know to read. to be in a position where yeah. he's got to read that right. So yeah. it's almost like he kind of turns, but then he gets like again. I don't the the word I used was flat footed, but mm-hmm. Sharon Govich just blows by him. Yeah. And and essentially it turns into a two on one. And like mm-hmm. I said, um, you know, it's Brendan Dillon who's the only defenseman back, and then Sean Monahan's the center, so he's responsible, but then it gets caught up in Monahan's skate. So Anderson right. now has jumped up into the play and he just passes it over to Huberto, who's to the left of Hellebuck, and it's an it's an empty net goal for him, essentially, right? So it was just uh, you know, yes, Pionk makes a bad play there. But mm-hmm. Monaghan is back in, so that he, he he has the ability to break up that play. So, you know, again, I mean, who do you want to blame Pionk and Monaghan? Do you want to give more blame to Pionk? It was just I poor, blame to everybody. It was, it was poor defense from the Jets. That's what it was. I Like I said, I, I don't think you hold anybody back from, from blame in this one. As like, like Ehlers, I didn't like the way he played it. Perfetti was, was lazy getting back. Like he's slow. If you're, if you're tired, get off the ice. But don't like don't coast back into the zone in a three all game, three all. I mean, again, like I said, this is this game critical. Is this game, you know, game fifty three? I think on the season, whatever it is, Spence will fact check me in about two seconds. But whatever it is, I mean, at the same time, you you have an anticipation. You got to play a little bit harder. You know, Calgary's coming out hard. You guys aren't, and so you haven't. And, and, and the Jets were trying to clearly get out of that second period with the game exactly. tied right That's so right. now so there was four minutes left in the second period the flames are all over you and that that four three goal is just absolutely killer the old backbreaker exactly and you know the jets obviously had you know a lot of time to who come back to that in wrestling game. pardon who me used to, who used to do the backbreaker I used to do that to my brother drop him on the old knee who did the old backbreaker do you Brett remember the hitman heart would do the backbreaker quite a bit yeah i don't remember i'm trying yeah, to think mr. Of like what mr perfect I feel like I mean, Mr. Perfect had the perfect plex. That was his finishing move. The honky tonk man always used to like smash a guitar over it, so yep. that was his kind of move. But I yep. was he a backbreaker? Do you Paul remember the, the name Mr. of the, the oh, yeah, Mr. Wonderful? The, do you remember Wonderful? the name of the uh tag team, Greg the Hammer Valentine and the honky tonk man? Remember the, what that tag team was I, called? Uh, I mean, I don't. What was it? Rhythm named? and Blues. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Doug, Doug is saying Vern. 
Gagne. I don't remember Vern. Give me the give me the wrestling name. I I don't know anybody's first names. Killer bees, Coco Beware. Yeah, well, that's what Dave and I call ourselves as yeah. members of the, we're the worker curve. bees. Yeah, we're, we're the, the worker bees, bees, but also the killer bees. Yeah. That's the Wu Tang yeah. Clan too. They call themselves the killer bees. Um, I do not remember Vern Gagne. No, neither do I. That's uh, might be a little bit before our time, but maybe. Well, hold on. What, let's let's push back on on Drywall Man. He's saying that I'm the only person that th- I didn't say Hallibuck played great. I just don't know how many of these goals that you, you know you could single out and say that that Hellebuck's goaltend like look like we've gone over the goals right like the Kadri tip on the power play that's not Hellebuck's fault this goal was clearly not Hellebuck's fault no I mean like again don't get me wrong like I'm not we're, we're not here to tell you that I'm not Connor picking Hellebuck on Drywall was... Man by the way Drywall Man is a regular uh, IC viewer here no I mean I'm just the, saying I I, I think we're allowed I don't to think push I said Hellebuck have... played well we're I just, allowed to have difference of opinions to me, from the was, folks it was the team defense. Like it was just too loose. There were too many turnovers. And again, even on this goal, like Neil Pion gets turned around by Sharon Govich. Yeah. And then Monaghan is there. He tries to intercept the pass to Johnny Huberto. It goes yeah. off his skate. Rasmus Anderson passes it over to Huberto. I'm just saying, like, like, and like you said, Dave, if you're at the end of a long shift, then get off the ice or, or yeah. just find a way to, to make the play. Like the Jets just, they were bad defensively tonight. And well, I'm not I mean, sure I, how many times I can say it. And I don't, I, I mean, look, we're not sit here to tell you that Connor Hellebuck had a phenomenal game and everybody else just stunk. But I mean, I think the the team, there were too many defensive breakdowns and, and we we're going through it for a reason because we're looking at these goals and you're thinking to yourself, what's going on now? Look, the Jets now are down four, three after 40 minutes. And you're thinking, well, the Flames were able to flip the script down a goal after 20 minutes. Are the Jets going to similarly be able to respond as that was the big question. Would the jets have that sort of response in them coming out of the second intermission? Of course I had a response because I was trying to get home for the third period. So I was, uh, I unfortunately after the moose, because at this point the moose had just concluded their uh, game against Milwaukee admirals, 17 straight wins for the Nashville farm team who defeated Manitoba four, three It was a good game. It was a tight game. We'll maybe get into it a little bit uh, at the end of this one, but so I, I I skipped post-game media, which I suspect wouldn't have been very fun because uh, it hasn't been very fun. Uh, they only have five wins at home this season. But you wondered what kind of pushback would the Jets have? And we talked about it in our preamble. They didn't really have one. It was really like a very casual. Yeah. There wasn't that intensity. And again, like nobody. There was one. To- there was one chance I can remember, Dave. That was kind of midway through the third period before Mangiapane yeah. made it 5-3. Obviously, that was the killer goal. The Jets weren't right. coming back from, from a two-goal deficit in the third period the way they were playing. Right. Um, Shifley made it a nice pass to Connor, kind of in tight, and Markstrom had to make a good save. There was That was the one chance that I can remember, which was, I think, the only high-danger chance they had, right? right? Didn't I say that before? Yeah, the Jets had one high-danger chance in that third period um, because, obviously... Um, you know, they didn't have they had the one power play. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that was on the power play. No, I think that was at even strength. Anyways, it was at even strength, the yeah. Jets, I think, only had one shot on, on that power play, if I'm not mistaken, that when Tanev took that penalty. I, I don't remember what it was tripping. Just checked here on uh, DeMello. Yeah. So he the Jets' power play did not look very dangerous. No, it didn't. Um, and give the Flames credit. I mean, again, desperate teams play a desperate style of hockey. The Flames at that point in the game were hanging on to a one-goal lead. But yeah, I don't, I don't think... You know, the Jets made it that tough. Um, you know, that was a pretty lackluster third period, I would say, for the Jets. Well, and that's what we're talking about. You have an opportunity. It's a 4-3 game. 
you know, it's about eight minutes to go when, when uh, Chris Tanev takes the tripping penalty, which he vehemently uh, did not enjoy and wasn't a fan of. But again, like, like, let's just talk. Let's call a spade a spade. This is just bad defense by the Jets. So your power play wasn't particularly good. Your second power play unit is on. Cole Perfetti has the puck behind the Flames net. So you're like, okay, well, you know, they've, they didn't, they didn't, you know, kind of rushes to get on. So the power play comes to an end. Okay. So you, again, you, if you're Cole Perfetti, you got to be smart. Keep that puck behind the net, you know, allow your guys to get, you know, have some control and then you can do a line change. Instead, Ehlers plays like plays this just as poorly as you can play this. I just don't understand what he's doing. He's like in no man. He puts himself in no man's line and he shouldn't have been. And again, like I said, it's a four, three hockey game, right? This is a, a yep. as, even though the Jets haven't been playing well, it's a one, it's your one shot away. But instead Ehlers is, I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand he's tired, but he, he plays this awfully. And then Cole Perfetti also played it terribly. I mean, he was slow through the neutral zone, barely gets back, doesn't take anyone. And he's caught it in, in no man's land. So, I mean, it ends up, you know, and Andrew Mangiapani, who's, we, you know, manja, manja, manja. That's a nice play by him. But he he manjas, to, to use a little Francais, because they, it was just a beautiful pass by Kadri, who's keeping his head up all along. And he you know, they know where each other are. And so he, he finds the back of the net. But just disappointing effort defensively from this Jets team. And look, they may have been tired. I understand that. It's the end of the power play. You're trying to tie the game. But they they collectively did not play that well. No, and and we kind of talked about you know Mangiapane was solid mm -hmm. uh, all game long. We talked about that line of Michael Backlund, Mangiapane, and uh, Blake Coleman. That's the Flames' top line because Kadri centers that second line with Kuzmenko and uh, I think it's Popsicle, not Popsicle, yeah. Dave, Popsicle. I wonder if it's related to the uh, the um, tennis player. I do not know that. I don't think they're. No, I don't think they are. Um, but you're absolutely right. And and again, you know, there's just over six and a half minutes left uh, when the goal is scored. And, you know, that goal is an act, a, a killer. And you're right, yeah. Dave. I mean, Nikolai Ehlers, he's not the most physical player. So you're not expecting him to go all Scott Stevens here. Yeah. But Nikolai Ehlers has got to do something there. Because, yeah. you know, he's slow coming back in the neutral zone. And then Kadri cuts to the middle. And Kadri just kind of steps around him. And mm -hmm. I didn't love the, the defense by Josh Morrissey either there. I mean, no. Josh Morrissey doesn't, you know, he's not tight on, on Andrew Mangiapane. So, again, here, I think there's a theme in this game. Yes. You know, it just was a, a loose defensive effort by the Jets. And, and Ehlers here and Morrissey here, um, you know, they were just too loose in their own zone in front of Hellebuck. And, again, I'm not going to blame Hellebuck for this goal. Um, you know, Andrew Mangiapane, what did he have, 40 goals a few years ago? I mean, Mangiapane's a sniper. Yeah, Maybe not 40. I think it was 35 if I'm not mistaken, but again, I, I, don't, I, I agree with you. I do not like, you know, how loose Ehlers was in the defensive zone. I don't remember what his shift length was at that point. Yeah. But when you talk about Ehlers lack of defense, uh, pardon me, lack of five on five ice time, it's not going to improve with plays like that. No. And the only good, the only good news. I, and, sorry, I want to say one thing before people sure. that are watching right now, get all over me. I think Ehlers deserves more ice time at five on five. Mm -hmm. But all I'm saying is, He's not going to earn more ice time with plays like that in the defensive zone. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think I don't think the issue is that. I think the issue is that it seems to folks that the leash is longer for some players, Kyle Connor, cough, cough, than it is for guys like Nikolai Ehlers. I think that's the the point that folks would make. 
And Cal Connor does. I'm not sure why, because both of those guys have been in the NHL for the same amount of time. Yeah, I mean, you know I, what I mean. I, like, I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure why why Kyle Connor gets favored. I feel like this is like we're in elementary school here, but <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure. You know what I mean, Dave? Like, yeah. these guys are similar age. Yeah. Right. Like Ehlers is one year older, I think. Well, but I mean, yeah. these guys are these guys are like, why, why does Kyle? Both of these guys are are not the best defensive players. But if we're no. if we're talking about who's better, Ehlers is a better defensive player than Connor. There's no question about it. I so mean, I, I'm not sure why the why Kyle Connor gets the I shouldn't, longer. Ezzy, I shouldn't say there's no question about it after today's uh, effort because well, recency uh, bias yeah. would suggest right now yeah. that it, that's it was, not it was the a rough case. defensive effort for most players tonight. Yeah, that's, and, and again, that's what I was going to say. It wasn't just yeah. that line. That line. Yeah. So, but it, but it, but on that particular goal again, you know, there's um, what did we say? There was about six and a half minutes left in the game there. Yeah. When when Mangiapane scored, uh, like it, you just that's a flyby. Right, like that's just Ehlers kind of not doing anything. Ehlers is just kind of there. He's just, ha- yeah. So I, I, I mean, again, but I, I think you know the Jets just gave the Flames the neutral zone. They they absolutely controlled the middle yeah. of the ice. They were they were. It was too easy for the Flames to enter the Jet zone, and it just wasn't tight defensive coverage. It was and just poor he- defensive coverage. It's not going to cut it. They're going to have to be much better against the Wild, who apparently score ten goals a game now. But more, and again, you you hit the. You hit it on the head. These guys had one high danger chance in the third period of a game yep. they were trailing. Yeah, like there's no excuse for that. You. That's are the, the biggest team. concern for me was that effort in the third period. That's Your second you... period was bad. Yeah, but, but it's rebounded. Uh, and I think they had ten shots. I'm not sure how the Jets were credited with ten shots As in that third re- period. But you could rebound from a bad second period because first of all, I, I was listening to the post uh, the um, intermission with Kelly Moore, and he said like I think in third periods. The Jets haven't been good from coming back in a, with a deficit, but their their goals for versus goals against in the third period, no surprise, it was like 62 goals for and like 30 goals against. So it, it, there's a significant disparity in their favor in third periods, which again means they score a lot in the third. They don't give up a lot. But that to me was you didn't they didn't have that passion. They didn't have that that jump. And look, I'm not here to make excuses. We don't know. And Matt Hyman, uh, who's a longtime chatter, uh, is saying, I wish we knew which guys were game time decisions. Maybe we would answer questions about a couple of them. Bones had Stanley and Kupari dressed for warm up. So clearly, some guys are dealing with injuries. I mean, injuries, the illness, the one that Morgan Barron obviously kept him out of the third period. But ultimately, the Jets finish the game as he, I'm not going to go into the empty netter, of course, because we no. don't, we don't break down empty net goals. But the Jets lose six to three and end that two game road trip one and one. Uh, an unfortunate end, even though it had a great beginning uh, with a big victory over the Vancouver Canucks, but it ends with a stinky loss to the Calgary Flames, a loss that's owned, I guess, if the, if you want to put a a bow on it, Ezzy, a loss that's owned by majority of the guys on that team. Right. That's probably the only good thing is that everybody had a piece in that loss for the most and, part. And one thing I'll say quickly here before we go to break, because we're well yeah. over an hour in, like sure. if the Jets come back with a great effort at home, tomorrow night versus Minnesota. Okay. Yep. Then, you know, then I'm not that upset, but I mean, yeah. I, I think, you know, this was y- y- the highs were high and the lows were low on this two game road <laughs> trip, right? Like you beat the best team in in the league on Saturday night in the yeah. Vancouver Canucks. And then this effort, it's one thing to lose to a desperate team, but it's yeah. the way you lost, right? Like, and, and, and a lot of of, like, like I said, a lot, a lot of it was effort and, and self-inflicted wounds here where, you know, the defensive coverage just wasn't good enough. 
So we'll see how they respond tomorrow because we know that the Wild are going to be motivated. That's right. Well, Ezzy, this has been the Betway Game Recap, which has been brought to you by Betway. It's simple, fun, and safe to bet with Betway. So head on over to Betway and bet your way. You must be 19 years or older to play. And Ezzy, always make sure to please play responsibly. Okay, we're going to head to commercial break here on the Illegal Curve Post Game Show. I'm Dave Manuk. He's Ezzy Ginsberg. We do this each and every time the Jets play. Make sure you smash that like button and are subscribing to this channel. We'll be back after these words from our sponsors. Boston Pizza harnessed analytics to test if the game is better at home or at Boston Pizza. The results are irrefutable. Catch the game with Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. Bo- you guys ever wish for a game changer in life? Like finding out your favorite snack has zero calories? Or discovering the mute button on Ezzy? Picture this, a secret weapon for parking, where you can book a spot a whole month in advance. Tell me more, Drew. Pre-book your parking at really low rates, or maybe even for free, if you use the code Illegal Curve. Free? What is this? Sorcery? The Grid Park app. It's a real secret weapon that has affordable game day parking. And to sweeten the deal even more. I love sweets. Our listeners can use the code Illegal Curve to park for free. Holy Zamboni. Tell me about it. Just download Grid Park, G R Y D Park, and use the code Illegal Curve. All one word to park for free. The game can change Ah! just like that. Accidents happen when you aren't protected. So now what? Getting to your injury quickly can make all the difference. Help prevent them from being game changers with Linden Market Dental Center. Bonding, crowns, bridges, and dental implants. State-of-the-art treatments are available to help you get back in the game. To learn more, visit LindenMarketDentalCenter.com. Creating smiles for life. Your coworkers love you because you always make them laugh. You're the life of the party with stories that have them rolling on the floor. Or maybe you're just the quiet one in the corner with the one-liners that just slay. Do you have what it takes to become Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job? Try your luck. Hit the stage at Rumors Comedy Club, and you could be walking away with $1,000 cash. Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job. Presented by Rumors. For all the details, head to RumorsComedyClub.com. Whoa, Ezzy. Everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rollies and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit Rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at Rollies.com. For three generations and over 80 years, Tough Duck has been making apparel that works and plays as hard as the people who wear it. From jackets to work boots and everything in between, Tough Duck's clothing can handle the harshest environments, even the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Work to live, live to play. Visit toughduck.com. Welcome back 
to the Illegal Curve post-game show. I'm Dave Manuk. He is Ezzy Ginsberg, and we are closing things out here on a Monday afternoon, a holiday Monday afternoon. Happy Louis Riel Day to everybody in Manitoba yep, there and you elsewhere. Go. Well, it's family day everywhere else, I think. Who knows? I can They'll change it to, I think it's Ezzy Ginsberg Day next year. So We're keeping I'm it real here, Dave, right? We always keep it real on this show. Uh, Dallas Pauls is saying, hey, Dave, when is the next live viewing party at BP, Boston Pizza, our sponsor? That is in 10 days time. We're going, we're leaping to the new year. So that is going to be, I believe, February 29th. The Jets take on the Dallas Stars. So that will be the next time we do a live show we'll have some giveaways so make sure you plan on being with us on taylor i believe on taylor i'm not sure i'll wait for mindell to I give think us it that. is taylor i'm not going to be able to join you boys for that one actually i know because, i didn't uh, naomi's going to be out of town and i'm going to have to be parenting there you go so yeah i'm going to be making chicken nuggets and i'm going to be putting the kids to bed i'll watch the game and i'll watch yeah. the post game show but i will have to be at my maison okay because uh yeah Unfortunately, we don't have a third parent, so I'm going to have to stay at home. <laughs> well, oh, Spencey's not happy. I, that's why I was, as I was kind of hoping you wouldn't say anything because we wanted to lure people there with the, you know, under the false pretense that you would be in attendance. It would be the, we maybe People okay. come from you, Dave, more so than me or Drew. It's, it's you. You're, you're, you're the unsung hero, the hero of mine, of Illegal Curve. <laughs> uh, but Spen I got to get to Festival with Spencey. I've been texting with him, but, you know, it's tough to get away from these kids. Well, so, maybe we'll uh, get you a babysitter so you can still show up yeah, to that game on the 29th. Yeah. That's always a possibility. Yeah, hit, hit me up in my DMs if you babysit. That won't be my hardest-hitting comment. But we want to give a tough duck hardest-hitting comment out. And I believe you have one miss, queued up, Mr. Ginsburg. I sure do. So that is coming up right now. The tough duck hardest-hitting comment. Thank you to our friends at Tough Duck for their continued sponsorship of the Illegal Curve post-game show and specifically the hardest-hitting comment. Lots of good comments. We appreciate everybody watching the show uh, this afternoon slash night. It is definitely the night now, but when we started the show, I think it might have been still, what was it, 5.45 when we started the show, Dave? Yeah. Lots of good comments. We're going to give it to Sebastian Unruh here. I like this comment. It's troubling that the Jets never got back to their game Goal after goal after goal. We talked about it. Five unanswered goals mm -hmm. from the Calgary Flames tonight, and they never got back to their game. The effort was there, but not the proper style. I don't even know if the effort was there, especially on, on the fifth goal by yeah. uh, Andrew Mangiapane. That was a pretty poor effort uh, from, from Nick Ehlers, who obviously you know is arguably the most talented Jets forward and deserving of more ice time. So Sebastian... Hopefully you're still watching. If you're not, maybe somebody that knows Sebastian, let him know that he won, or maybe Sebastian will see on the replay if he's not watching live. But Sebastian, send me an email, Ezra, E-Z-R-A, at IllegalCurve.com, one word, or slide into my DMs on X, and let me know your mailing address, and we will ship out a Tough Duck toque to you on Saturday night. Trish Jordan, who is a loyal IC follower, uh, she won. And we will be sending a toque out to her. And even though it will be warming up. Like five degrees this weekend. I will be, I, as a lifelong Winnipeg or somebody who's lived here my entire life, yeah. I will almost guarantee, Dave, that it's going to get cold in between now and, and the spring. I don't, is I don't that, think. Is that a Ginsburg guarantee? Well, I, I, look, it's, I mean, how many times 
do we think you know winter's over in mid-March or, or late March and then we get a, a blizzard? So even though it's getting milder, you can never have enough toques. Look, we live in Manitoba. There I mean, go. if you're a Manitoban, you got to have you know at least five to seven toques on hand at all times. So Sebastian, send me an email, Ezra at IllegalCurve.com with your mailing info and Tough Duck will ship out a toque to you. Well, congratulations to Sebastian. I think what we're going to have to start doing is we'll put the winners in the in the thing so people know the next show. Maybe we'll have a little thing saying, Sebastian, you are the sure. you were the winner of the last po- – just a thought that came to my mind. Usually Another- if I see somebody in the chat that I know mm-hmm. won and they yeah. haven't emailed me, what I'll do is I'll – I'll, I'll send a message on, you know, with we have a, a function in StreamYard where we can send uh, messages to people. So we, can, um, we do. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, we can, comments. I mean, not not yes. messages, not direct yeah. messages, not DMs, but you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah, we yeah, can yeah. post post comments from Illegal Curve Hockey. Well, the only comment folks want to hear remaining from Illegal Curve Hockey is this one. Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Unfortunately for the folks, Ezzy, I was hoping that, you know, if the main course wasn't to your liking, whether you call this the appetizer because it actually took place before the meal or the dessert, it now it also will not be to your liking because Manitoba Moose, despite a valiant effort, and I thought a pretty strong game with the exception of the probably the final five minutes, uh, played a really good game against the Milwaukee Admirals. But unfortunately, that that juggernaut Farm Club of Nashville wins their 17th straight game. Seems remarkable as it's it's, a, it's almost unheard of, but they've won 17 straight. Perry, a friend, the security guard, asked me if what the record is in the HL. I said I didn't know Perry, and I want Spencey to fact check me. But I said I would look it up. Anyways, the first goal of the game went to uh, went to Milwaukee, uh, but Parker Ford just 27, 21 seconds later. Sorry, as he. He ties the game. That was his ninth of the year. He gets a puck, a loose puck from Kyle Capobianco, who's playing in his 200th AHL game. He leads the Moose in scoring, fourth amongst AHL defensemen. And then the Moose keep it going. It's kind of like little bang, bang, kind of. In Simon Lundmark, he scores his second of the year. I believe it was his first at home uh, with a little all-Swedish play. As he, David Gustafson, he picks up his first assist, uh, first point in with the Moose in over two years. Obviously, because this is his first games in the with the moves in over two years. He gets it over to actually Anson Fielby, who passes it over to Simon Lundmark, and it was like tic-tac-toe and into the back of the net. So Moose had a two-one lead. But unfortunately for Manitoba, about 30 seconds later, Mark Delgaizo ties it up. So it is a two-two game after 20 minutes. And then the Moose kept on coming. Christian Reichel, who's been really hot, even though started off very slow. He scores his eleventh of the season, four fifteen into that second period. Nice little play from that line of him, Jeffrey Vial and Parker Ford. Uh, the line Kyle Capobianco said, kind of the heartbeat of this group. But unfortunately, they take a penalty. And taking a penalty against a team like Nash- Nashville, I keep calling them Nashville, as he, they're Nashville light against uh, against the Milwaukee Admirals, results in a goal again. So now it is three all after 40 minutes. And then Liam Foody. I don't know if he's actually like a foodie, like Drew Mandel is a foodie, but Liam Foody manages to score uh, I don't know. I think it was about mid. Yeah. 643 into the third period, kind of a con, not a con, super controversial, but he gets t- t- um, tied up, gets around the defense, puts it on Colin Delia, who was good in that today and uh, looked like he could have kicked it in. Uh, they went and they reviewed it, called it a good goal. So it's four, three. The Moose had some chances, some good looks. Nikita Chibrikov, by the way, there was a major in this game. 
speaking of, uh, so uh, Milwaukee had gone 11 and seven as, so you're thinking, okay. Then they lost one of their uh, guys because he need Nikita Chibrikov who came back. He played the no problem. He actually came back and played on the power play. So I was like, Oh, no surprise there. And then uh, they lost another, they ended up down to nine forwards at one point uh, because of injury one uh, twice, one because of uh, penalties, the other because of injury. So they were down to nine, but they still held on. And the only complaint I would say of the moose today was uh, with the extra attacker, they looked listless and aimless and kind of like the jets in that third period, didn't have a lot of uh, pushback and uh, they failed to, to equalize the game. So Milwaukee ends up winning and the moose get zero points out of the four that they could have taken home this weekend. So tough loss for the moose. Uh, and they'll be back at it next weekend. I think, I think they're playing Calgary next weekend. So, uh, Calgary at home, two more games. We'll give out some tickets. Uh, I know that folks enjoyed the tickets that we gave away for this weekend. So, uh, there you go. The moose lose the jets lose a lot of losing, but we gained, we won as because all of you joined us, uh, on this show, the illegal curve post game show. So one comment quickly on the Milwaukee sure. admirable admirals, not admirables. Oh, that's what I said. They were, um, they're admirable. Yeah. How good they are. And you mentioned Dave now 17 wins in a row. And we were trying yeah. to figure out what the AHL record is. They've got to be pretty close. You got to think that I can HL records record is probably, you know, it can't be more that much, more, much more than kind of in that 20 to 25 win uh, range. Right, Dave. But yeah, Yaroslav Askarov, like we know he's a first round pick. You wonder how yeah. long it's going to be before he's in the NHL. His his numbers. I was just taking a look uh, in the AHL this year have been incredible, mm-hmm. and obviously UC Soros has got the net there, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. But we know yeah. that you know his numbers haven't been as good, um, and I don't I don't believe Askarov has played in the NHL. I might be wrong about that. I think um, he might have had a game or two. Yeah, uh, just checking here. Askarov has played two games this year. Yeah, yeah, and one win, and he's got a nine forty three save percentage, but. You know, 20 wins, six losses, and one tie this year with a 2.12 goals against average in the AHL. So Askarov is 21 years old, and, you know, we've talked a lot about how how good Thomas Millich has been as a 20-year-old AHL rookie. But Askarov, Dave, I think it's it's not going to be much longer than a year, if if that, before he's playing in the NHL because, I mean, he's just been excellent for Milwaukee. But, you know, they've they've got a lot of good players. Mark Jankowski, Dennis Gurianov. You well, they didn't, Ezzy, they didn't Rudy. even have, uh, they just got Jankowski back from, um, uh, from Nashville and he didn't right. even play today. They didn't even put him in the right. lineup. So uh, just think about how much more deadly they could have been, uh, you know, had, had they been, but you look, Askarov's a good really team. good, they're a good team. They're well, I mean, it's captain obvious. They're a good team. They've won 17 yeah. games in a row. So, so the moose fall, the jets fall moose will be back at it. To, well, the jets are back at it tomorrow, which means Ezzy and I no, not Ezzy. sorry. Ezzy's not on tomorrow. Drew and I are back tomorrow night. I'll be yep. at the game. Drew's finally coming. back from his vacation. Yeah, Drew. He's La been gone for like two Mr. Weeks. Mindell. So no, he's, we'll, he's only we'll, been gone for like four nights. Well, he's missed. He's missed a bunch. I think he's missed the last three post game shows. As so, uh, or, or joined us late. Whatever it is, doesn't count unless you're on for the full full amount of time. Yeah, well, he joined us Saturday, but then he left for the last ten minutes. Yeah, we don't like that. We don't like that. But what we do like is all of our sponsors. And big thanks to all of them. Big thank you to all the sponsors of Illegal Curve who make the post game show, the Saturday show, as he and the website, illegalcurve.com, a possibility. They are in no particular order. Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Grid Park. Use code illegalcurve to park for free. Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, Bedway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rolly's Transfer, and Farmery Beer. Farmery Beer, home of the IC Beer.
Catherine's right, by the way. Uh, it is dark what? now. Continue on, though, Dave. It is dark. I was going to say, quickly, support these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey. But, Sorry, okay. I screwed you up there. Yeah, you did. You kind of got you jumped in the middle of the sponsor read, uh, but that's okay. That's, that's fine. We appreciate the sponsors. We appreciate all the comments from all of you. So if you can, go on the... Uh, um, I'm, I, I feel like a broken record here. Can you still say broken record? Broken CD player, broken yep. MP3. Broken I'm a broken vinyl. MP3. You could say I'm broken a, LP. I feel like a broken MP3 right now because I keep yep. saying, can someone... Anyone, please, I beseech you, leave a comment on the podcast. On sound like iTunes. a broken laser disc, Dave. I'm something, all right. Anyways, but thanks everyone for joining us for spending your Monday afternoon and now early evening here on the Legal Verve post game show. I'm Dave Manuk. He's Ezzy Ginsburg. We'll be back at it tomorrow night when the Jets take on the Wild here in Winnipeg. And of course, illegalcurve.com. We don't ever stop. 24 hours Jets news, Moose news. All the latest 24 news. 7, 365, right, Dave M? Exact Amondo. Well, I take a weekend off in the summer, but Actually, 24 that, 7, 366 this year. Yeah, I was going to say, leap year for the IC. Anyways, thanks a lot for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your evening. We'll be back tomorrow, right after the Jets and Wild. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel. Follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.